Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, Liz Loza, and Matt Harmon. Just the two of us. Just two bros. Just the two of us. Are we going to get the Will Smith that? song? Is that the Will is Smith that a, song? No, it's not. Will I Smith. think somebody sang it first, but I don't know who that was. I mean, if I sing it, that's different, right? Than if we actually played it. I mean, you just said a couple of words. I think there's no harmonies. We didn't do some acapella stuff. I'm anyway, still trying to get these pistachios out of my mouth. You have been eating pistachios. Quite protein. A, yes, a lot of protein. You know. Uh, I have a question for you, Matt. All right, what's up? If you were to go to Indianapolis, would you partake in some shrimp cocktail at Elmo's? Oh, St. Elmo's. Hell yeah. Look, my... It's right there. There, thank you. My hurt feelings about not going to the Combine have decreased, although I was pretty miffed about it for a while. Not that I'm like, I just got to go to the Combine. But, you know, when you have this job, like you want to experience anything that you can get out of it. Plus, it's like sometimes, too, you know, everybody out there that you know on Twitter is tweeting about being at the Combine. It's a FOMO about it's it. It's a little bit of a FOMO thing. So... And, and plus, like, yeah, I just want to go just to see it once. It's not like every year I'm going to be like, got to get to the combo. So what part do you like more, the coaches' conferences or the underwear Olympics portion? I think that there would be a lot that would get annoying being at the coaches' conferences. Disagree. I think that it would be the more informative experience. Like, I think I would learn more being there than learn more watching these guys on – you know, live because not to mention too, like it's not like an actual game where, you know, DK Metcalf run Metcalf runs like a four three and then they broadcast it on the screen there. Right. You don't even know what it is until you check. Like my friend Marcus was telling me this that like he was there for the he was there this year and like they all saw him run fast. They're like wow, that looked really fast. And then they all check Twitter to get the actual, actual time, time of it. Yeah. You know, so I think that the better experience would be like in terms of what I would get from it, learn something would be the coaches conferences. But I just want to see the spectacle of the combine once. I see. I understand that. I would like to kind of check out Indianapolis. I've never been there. Well, back to the shrimp cocktail. Yeah. Hell yeah, I would. I mean, you know me, I'm pretty open to trying anything when it comes to food. Um, and and I definitely think that I would try. Apparently, it's super spicy. I like shrimp. Horseradishy. I like, I like yeah. cocktails. So you want to put them together. I've had a shrimp cocktail before, but not the. Well, you're not some sort of plebe, some no, plebeian. No. Yeah, right. Peasant who's never had shrimp cocktail. If you're from the Midwest, like me, you know that anybody who has a wedding where their shrimp served means that family's rich. Like, if you save up all your money to have shrimp at the reception at a wedding. I did not have shrimp at my wedding. I'm not rich. 
That's and why my family was like, we cannot afford that shrimp lady. Isn't it a weird with shrimp that like, because it's very, very good for you, right? You can eat like a hundred shrimps and it's like no calories, you know? And it's but then all, you're hungry for like 400 right. more shrimps. And it also just costs you like a thousand dollars to eat 400 shrimp. You know, it's also, such an expensive food. I'm not sure that they're really good for you. I mean, I feel like the well, mercury the, and the ocean, I mean, there's a lot of, I'm just kind of like from the, like a caloric perspective. But and they're like, like the boogers of the sea. <laughs> I like shrimp, but you know, they also have to be cooked a certain way, too. It's like people are like, oh, I'm going to be healthy and get the uh, coconut shrimp. Like, no, let me no. explain something to you, fella. Also, don't charge me more for peel and eat shrimp. Uh-uh. Oh, you yeah. peel those yeah. and then charge I'm me like, more. like, yeah, then I'll pay you. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So anyway, back to the actual combine. The coach's por- portion I found the most interesting. Obviously, the biggest story is Kyler Murray and the Josh Rosen drama in, in Arizona. There didn't seem to be a whole, yep. Josh Rosen's our guy, period. It was Josh Rosen is our guy, comma, comma for, now. for now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much we're reading into this. Yeah, um, where do you stand on, like, if you had to think right now, what happens? Do they draft Murray or do they stand pat with Rosen? Well, this is assuming rational coaching, which we have been trained not to do. So I think if you are going to take a flyer on Cliff Kingsbury and just dig into the otherness, like the upside of the unknown, then you got to go for Kyler Murray because... Going half in the bag doesn't work, right? Like, if you're going to chase the bag, you got to chase it fully. I would like to see Josh Rosen end up behind Eli Manning and he work as some sort of a half-season bridge to Josh Rosen. I think that's probably pie in the sky for me. I don't anticipate that happening. Uh, There's another quarterback prospect, Daniel Jones, I believe. Daniel Jones, yeah. Who has, has Manning ties. He has Manning ties because of his coach at Ole Miss and his quarterback's coach. And so I see, like, that's probably aligns with a better or more logical narrative. But I don't know. Where are you? I mean, do you think that they pulled Josh Rosen aside and they were like, hey, buddy, we're just going to, like, we're actually going to try to trade down. You're our guy. So forget anything you're hearing. It's all part of the bluster. You're our guy. But we're trying to tempt people into trading with us. I think it could be that. But I think right now. I'm more leaning towards that they do end up taking Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. And honestly, not only do I think that is probably the smart thing for them if they believe in him as as a quarterback prospect because then they can flip Rosen for more assets. And and, uh, Rosen should be an extremely appealing asset for anybody to acquire, whether whether or like – I mean, obviously, people will still default to their college evaluations of him. And people did think he had a high floor, whatever. But the Cardinals have paid most of his contract. So he'll be an extremely cheap asset to acquire. Most of the gear, I think it's like over 60% of the money has already been paid for out throughout the rest of his rookie deal. So you're so getting. They're just a, taking a bath on 2018. Yeah. So basically, not only is it good for the Cardinals to, if they can get assets for Rosen, it's also good for the rest of the league because some of these teams that are out of range of a Dwayne Haskins or whatever, whether it be Washington, um, or Miami, they could potentially acquire Ugh, this this quarter, and it's not great for Rosen. For Rosen. Oh but, my goodness! But it's a, it could be a good situation. Or I could also see New England getting involved. They apparently really liked him, and they could trade maybe a late first round pick if no one else ponies up a first round pick, and then have a successor to Brady. Either way, I think it's good that we're going to fill two quarterback holes here potentially. I also think Kyler Murray. If you just think he's a better fit for Cliff Kingsbury, and you're like you said, you're already all in. Go for it. They're also rumored to be one of the top three teams that is in on Antonio Brown. The Cardinals could look a lot more fun in May than they do right now, I think. Oh, my gosh, though, with a new coach and a GM who likes to hit the pub. Like, (laughs) 
there, there's a lot of combustibility potential there. Um, not as much as with the Jets, say, but still a lot. What about the prospects at the Combine? Were there any that stood out to you? I mean, we have to talk about DK Metcalf because he looks like the Hulk, and yeah. yet he ran this blazing 40, uh, 4-3-3-40, and his vertical jump was a 40.5. He also... Um, did 27 reps on the bench press, which isn't so much of a bar. You, like, you don't get those muscles from, yeah. like, doing just yoga. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, there was a lot of really impressive players. I mean, the wide receiver group really showed out. I think it's going under the radar because, obviously, Metcalf, you know, he turns in this great 40. I thought Nikhil Harry ran a good time, 4.59 for what he like. What his issues are supposed to be, long speed, whatever. He strikes me as like a DeAndre Hopkins type that some of these flashier type players, you know, remember back to 2013, like freaking Cordero Patterson and Tavon Austin, mm-hmm. I believe, also well, went in the first round. DJ last year. I mean, what was it, last year, two years ago? Yeah, a couple Chark? of years ago, yeah. So Yeah, it was last year. He was a rookie last year. Yeah. Um, he's easy to forget about because he was irrelevant. But anyways, so some of these flashier players are probably going to go ahead of a player like Harry, much like they did with Hopkins, but... In the long run, I could see him being the better pro because he just does the little things so well. So he's someone I'm excited about. Um, there are other players, too. At the uh, Paris Campbell blazed. At the, yeah, uh, I at, liked him yeah, a lot. He was exciting. Andy Isabella turned in a great time. Oh, well, Lo- and we should talk about him because he comps similarly. And I have not dug in on his tape and I don't have a reception perception model. Uh, so, but well, he- I'm banged this year on reception perception with the rookies because uh, part of leaving NFL Network oh. was leaving behind a giant college film database. You got bang, kid. I mean, yeah, but it was worth for the money. So. Um, this Andy Isabella kid, um, he comps similarly to like T.Y. Hilton or Antonio Brown, one of these smaller slot receivers who's tough and could potentially work outside as well. That's the the hope with him. His ceiling is that he could be one of those guys. I don't know. I Again, I haven't dug in on enough of his tape to know if that is a more optimistic uh, reading of him than actually... Yeah, likely, for sure. but he certainly did show well. Also worth testing. mentioning, Hakeem Butler crushed it too. He's like a 6'5", 220 type wide receiver. So, um, and he's not like a Kelvin Benjamin yeah, what type. what was his three cone though? Was it, I feel like a lot of the bigger guys. I, think I mean, we're thinking of Metcalf's three cone, which was like Tom no, no, Brady. that was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, 2%, that, it was the bottom 2%. To be fair, I think he's the wide receiver that I've watched the most of so far. And actually, I think that fits really well with his game because he clearly is athletic and clearly move. And at that frame, it's unbelievable. And I think his athletic profile comp was Des Bryant. And I think that actually makes a lot of sense because Des, to me, could separate really well because he's just such an athlete. I mean, he's not a technician, but just have him do what I I always hesitate to throw praise on the Hugh Jackson-led Cleveland Browns. But I put this information out with Josh Gordon's 2017 reception perception profile. You know, after taking almost three years away from football, you'd have to assume that Josh Gordon's not like got the technical nuances just ready to roll. But what the Browns did with him as soon as they came back is they didn't just throw him right back at X receiver. They used him at flanker. They used him off the line. They moved him around. That made him see a lot more zone coverage. They basically just ran a lot of nines, posts, and slants. And I think you can get away with that with a guy like Metcalf, who may not be a great route runner in in throughout the duration of his career, but he can clearly win with the ball in the air. He can get off the line of scrimmage. I think you see enough of that on his tape. He's just but from not a go- fantasy perspective, he's going to be overdrafted now because of these combine numbers and sure. because he's not going to. I mean, year after year, for the most part, we see the Calvin Ridley's uh, – who are known technicians over someone like a DJ Moore, right, who had all of the uh, measurables about him produce more 
immediately because route running is an integral part of the job and a coach wants to know you're going to show up where the quarterback is throwing the ball and there's a trust there. So I feel like DK Metcalf, as awesome as this has been for him, like he's having an excellent draft season. He is chasing the bag. But I also feel like the lore around him is now growing and he's absolutely, I mean, we'll have to wait on his landing spot, but assuming it's like an average to good situation, I feel like he's going to be overdrafted because these more technical but less flashy receivers are going to be overlooked. I think that's usually the case. Yeah, I agree with your analysis on that. Um, other combine notes. Uh, we talked a little bit about tight ends briefly last week. Noah <laughs> Fant came out and smashed the combine. I kind of feel like it's going um, so did Gusecki under... last year. Right, right, right. I mean, so, let's, I mean let's, let's we all know that rookie tight ends can take a little while to develop. That's like, a you know, the Falcons, the, the trope, have, Falcons right? have allowed the most catches to running backs. Like, oh, did you know rookie tight ends take a little while right. to develop? Yeah, so we ding, we got the bell there. But so that was something to note. There's a lot of interesting tight ends that we mentioned. The running back group really didn't have any big time studs yeah. but to me i don't really care as much about that i care where they're gonna land you know like a guy you know we all view him a little bit differently now but think back to kareem hunt a few years ago what did not have a good combine lands in a perfect spot and he's you know producing bonkers numbers not too long after well and he did show up well in the senior bowl yeah kareem i think hunt running did. back is just more about instincts situation. and well situation for sure i mean none of it really matters in terms of talent but i mean if you if you want to talk about the position i do think it, you know, more instincts and more like tackle breaking ability which i don't think you can really measure um at the nfl scouting also i feel combine. like the combine itself is a wonderful tool for measuring a player's ceiling in a vacuum yeah you know like you want to see how fast this person could be like what what running back has incredible breakaway speed tevin uh tevin I almost said Tevin Campbell. Tevin Coleman <laughs> is an example of that. But you have to have vision and patience and things that are not measurable in order to, you know, find the holes and break the tackles to get to all of those yards after contact. So totally. I feel and like, you know, it's exciting. It is also. exciting. Yeah. And last note on the combine, I think, before we can move on. This draft is going to be much more defensive heavy. Yeah, and those defensive players crushed, crushed it. I mean, Montez Sweat is like my favorite from Mississippi State. <laughs> I, I, I have been keeping an eye on him. Everyone knows Nick Bosa. His family's in football. He's like been. He's going to be one of the top, potentially the top pick in the entire draft. Well, he's a real, uh, he's a real gem too. Quinnen Williams out of Alabama uh, would be. I think those are like the one twos, mm -hmm. right? But then the rest, there's a really like a lot of talent in this class but montez sweat out of mississippi state i really really liked him and um like ed oliver from houston as well yeah he's intriguing um uh gets a lot of aaron donald you know people i love when people do this in draft season because they're like i don't want to cop him to aaron donald but, but he I'm, sure looks but he like sure aaron does look, yeah right it's like well you basically just did it i mean what you might as well go all in you know at this point i don't know it's some of these it's player comparisons are hard because you don't want to be so boisterous as to say like i think you know it's ceiling talk it's all we just have to remember during draft season it is well ceiling it's just talk. a comparison like when i say Nikhil harry kind of reminds me of deandre hopkins or larry fitzgerald i'm not saying he's going to turn into those players but he's on that axis and like i'm what am i what do you want me to do you want me to compare him to some like third stringer that nobody freaking knows about right. so that i'm like oh well he kind of reminds me of i don't know this is Pharaoh not real. cooper yeah right, right, right. Like, <laughs> cool everybody listening knows what i'm talking about great Great stuff. All right. Anyways. Also, this was not a combine fact, but I really like Hunter Renfro. I'm just going to throw that out. He's like besties with Adam Humphreys and oh, the Spartanburgs. All those boys. Oh, my gosh. Him and uh, 
uh, what's his well, Ryan, Sharon Ryan Switzer and Julian Edelman and I'm Danny Amendola. They all go out and get coffee together. This is the guy, Braxton Berrios. I mean, they're all they're all they're all out there. I'm just keeping an eye on him. Yeah, sure. Brett, did you want to say something? Producer Speaking Brett. Speaking of Adam Humphreys, I was trying to move it along. Oh, I thought okay. we were going to talk free agency. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Humphreys it's coming is a free agent, but uh, well, he will be. I mean, in the coaches' conference of the or the coaches' press conferences at the combine, Bruce Arians laid on the platitudes about Adam Humphreys. Likes a lot of what he does. Really wants to get him back, except wants to get Djax back and yeah, other players. Ba- like, band back. They, they don't have a lot of cap room. No, we always think about the Bucks. Like, oh, they got all this money to spend, and they could free up if they really want to dig got into rid their of defense. Some defensive players, right? Yeah. And if they, I don't know if Djax is going to go. I, I think Djax wants to go, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. And I just feel like Humphreys is the most expendable yeah. of those options. And he is going to command upwards, according to Yahoo's own Therese Paler, somewhere between 10, asking for 10 and 14 million. Now I saw another quote out of a, a Buccaneer local source that said he would, he was asking for around eight. Yeah. So I think probably Seven is what he'll end up getting, right? Like if you're asking, this is agent talk. You're going to ask for ten, knowing yeah, that you're going to yeah. meet around seven. So that, six. That uh, people's response to that tweet got on my radar because I think most, like, if I ask ninety percent of football fans who Adam Humphreys is, if they don't like hardcore play fantasy, they'd be like, I don't know who the hell that is. So fair for people to be like what the hell are you talking because people reacted like oh lol what are you talking about but like with the golden tate part of it this is the part that gets on me too because golden tate is gonna be 31 but also he was producing the best yards per game that he's ever had in since 2014 when he was with detroit last year i think people are unfair to Golden Tate based on what happened in Philly because he's on pace for 100 catches, over 1,100 yards before leaving Detroit. I think that Golden Tate is a great signing in free agency. If you get him for three years at $10 million per year. But I would disagree because he might be a great signing, but he is not the value signing. I would say that Adam Pumphreys, who's 25, versus Tate, who's going to be 31. Yeah. We've seen Tate's ceiling. We know what that is. We have hinted at we've seen hints or glimmers of Adam Humphrey's ceiling assuming Humphrey's at just 25 can continue to ascend we know he can I mean he's golden Tate light he's Julian Edelman light like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the trajectory he's on so if I why would I pay I don't know let's say 10 million annually we should also note yeah. 10 million annually on a three-year deal for Golden Tate, who will be 34 at the end of that deal, versus Adam Humphreys, who's still under 30 and probably going to get what, let's seven million annually. Like, do you want to spend 21 no, I million? I think he's a better player. I mean, I think, now, yeah, but I think even in three, I think Tate's ceiling is unaccessible to Adam Humphreys. Oh, you do? Because so I don't, dis- I don't agree with that because I believe Tate. You know, we we talk about like the slot receiver archetype, right? Like, I think Tate not only you know. Gets open versus zone coverage, you know, whatever, all that, all those short routes. I get it. But Tate also is great on contested passes. He brings a physicality both in that section of the game and also after the catch. I really think that he just brings something different to the slot receiver position than most do. I mean, if we were having this conversation in September, I would have said that, you know, he's right up there with. Doug Baldwin or Jarvis Landry is potentially the best slot receiver in football. Jarvis Landry and Golden Tate are very different receivers, though. But I'm just saying in terms of the slot receiver archetype. Yeah, they definitely are different. They play a very different kind of game. I I just feel like Adam Humphrey's game comps more similarly to 
Golden Tate's niche within the greater slot receiver genre. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I'd like to see Adam Humphreys, who I should mention at this point is my the seventh player in my 10 most interesting players of the offseason. I think I think he'd do really well in New England. I'd like to see him as the successor to Julian Edelman, another weapon for I mean, unless, you know, I I just don't see Cole Beasley being that option. Who's also a free agent. Apparently he wants 20 million guaranteed. It's insanity. There's, it's, this, like, this is why I think Adam Humphreys is so interesting because there's this glut. You've got Jamison Crowder, Cole I was going to say, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't overlook Crowder either. Uh, can he stay healthy? That's the obviously right? question, which, which is why I think he'll come at the, perhaps the biggest discount of anybody that we're talking about here is because of the injury concerns of last year. And he's older than uh, he's older than he's 27. Yeah. So. so Humphreys is the youngest the of middle. the batch. Also, interestingly, in high school, Humphreys uh, played cornerback running back and was on the basketball team well if he's on the lacrosse team he would already have that patriots contract because you know bill belichick i don't know if you know about this but he's a big lacrosse guy yeah but chris hogan's an outside receiver which is another misconception you see chris hogan apparently has there was a tweet that went out i think it ended up getting deleted that it was like 25 teams are interested in chris hogan i was like this definitely in the is, AF or I was, AFL I, I or was like, no, this is definitely uh, twenty five like teams run by fantasy writers because every year Chris Hogan is like the darling of. Yeah, I made a mistake on this. I don't want to talk about him. All right, um, move on. So <laughs> a week from now, free agency officially opens. What are you most interested in? What piece of it are you most interested in seeing? Well, we unfold? got all the franchise tags out of the way, which well, a lot they're of they're mostly defensive players. Yeah, mostly defensive players. Um, I think obviously. Le'Veon Bell will be everybody's going to be interested in that and my opinion on this has changed and we'll talk about this on our live stream today Liz plug it um, I, I guess it's going to have already happened though by the time the podcast posts yes <laughs> but you can go back and watch it on our Yahoo Sports Twitch page or on our Yahoo Fantasy Twitter page Liz and I are going to debate uh, all these free agents best landing spots I've already written the article uh, for 20 How are we of these debating guys. It? Did you bring hot sauce or booze or anything to keep me occupied or you just were just like this? This is what we did for the quarterback one. We're going to be putting heads oh, on the wall. we have faces? Yeah, we okay. have faces. Poor Avery has printed out 21 players uh, for us to stick on the wall. Cheers, Avery. And 32 team logos. So she's ver- been very, very busy. Um, she's up in some Joanne fabrics every week. Seriously. So yeah, you can watch that. We'll talk about this. But my opinion on Le'Veon Bell is changing now. I think I've long thought it was going to be the Jets that signed him. Mm-hmm. Now I think the Jets signed Tevin Coleman and and the Raiders signed Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown was also like linked to the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to make big moves this, oh, this offseason. Why would you do that if you were Gruden? Because you oh, have all of this you're Gruden. You're a cartoon character. I know. Uh, I mean, do you think he's going to like upgrade to DSL anytime soon? Maybe. People are probably like, what is DSL? Yeah, I, I know, right? I think about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's like DSL. Uh, anyways. You mean uh, he watches things on his TV? I'm going to make a note about that. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, Gruden, I think, is a, I think they're a wild card in all of these negotiations. Not only do I, I think they'll go after one of these edge rushers like Ziggy Ansa that's on the market, too. So the Raiders are basically the new Miami Dolphins. Yes. because well, I think It's that, Miami West. I do not think they want to. The, everybody will say, yeah, they've got Gruden on the 10-year contract, you know, whatever, whatever. But I think they want to start winning some games. I don't, th- I don't think they want to be a laughing stock two years in a yeah, row. Yeah, I don't think that, I mean, Gruden could get away with it, but I don't think his ego will allow it. No, and I don't think Mayock wanted to come in there to be oh, that, joked yeah, at yeah, either. Yeah. So, and I think... There's Kyler Murray rumors around them, th- too. There are definitely that is the a wrong system for Kyler Murray. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would no. not be fun. But they're not, they're not at all hiding the fact that they definitely really like him. So, I do think 
that he ends. I just I just have a feeling that they will end up outbidding everybody because a they can and b I really do think that uh, Gruden wants a. I mean, old school Gruden doesn't want a, the best one of the best running backs in the league to be the centerpiece of his offense. I don't think so. Yeah, I want to see where Tyrell Williams lines up. Yeah, that's. I, I mean know, that that is one of my top. I want to save all this for the live stream later so we can react in real time. But I have a very interesting. Well, I don't think our pod him. producer wants us to save things for another platform friend. I was going to say move on. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm intrigued. John Brown, listen, John Brown, I'm uh, I'm not going to wood that he ends up in a good landing spot. Watch out, Bucks, by the way. That would be an interesting one. Mm, I don't think a they bit can, of a reunion. I don't think they can spend the money, justify spending the money if on receiver. If they get rid of Deshaun Jackson and Humphreys, they could. They could, but then I still, because they're still in cap problems either way. But nevertheless, that's an interesting spot to watch out for a reunion. Quan Alexander's not going to stay with the Bucks, do you think? I don't think so. I think with the money Coming problems that they have. Coming off an injury. Yeah. And there's such a good deep... Anyway, let's... It does not get to, We do not need Bucks tonight. In fact, we're going to talk yeah. about the AFC North. Matt, kick it off. This is your division-by-division division pressing questions. Which we're mercifully, it out mercifully is over. I was complaining to Brett uh, before we started here. I was like, I wrote this like two, two months ago. I don't even care anymore about these questions. But now we're just... We gotta let the good fans of Detroit hear about their hear about their team. Oh, we've got we've covered we're every start other. With the Browns. Let's okay. start with those good fans of Cleveland. But, yeah, I mean, how how's the momentum going to keep going? Well, that's here? the pressing question. <laughs> how do we maintain that second half momentum? Um, I think they. I think we'll see the Browns also be aggressive players in free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and they look to target a wide receiver like a Tyrell Williams, like a John Brown, because I think that. As I have mentioned to you before, Baker was top six in deep passing yards despite not despite not playing the entire season mm-hmm. there. And I think they could look at a guy like Williams or Brown and be like, we can maximize the clear deep ability that Baker has as a passer to make freaking Brashad Perryman relevant. And oi, I think, oi, yeah, oi, oi. so I no, think no. that we're going to see someone like Williams or Brown or maybe another rookie get in there and upgrade. Also, I think they make some additions to the line. I think a top three wide receiver core of hypothetically say John Brown, Richard Higgins and Jarvis Landry. I mean, that makes my heart flutter a little bit. A little bit. So my questions are all about the wide receiver core as well. Um, I wanted to know if Antonio Callaway can make the leap. He had seven drops, uh, which was the 13th (laughs) most among receivers. But after Cleveland's week 11 bye, so I think it's interesting because you're right, Baker didn't start. I think it was he came in week three and he didn't officially become the starter until week four. So a month into the season, there's a lot of chemistry that needs to build, rapport that needs to be refined. So I like to look at a team and plus the coaches got fired and changed. So there was a constant flow of transition for this team. So I like to look after the team's bye, which is usually when teams shift, you know, like there's a marked change Mm -hmm. after a lot of teams buys even if they have an earlier buy decisions get made during that week off so Callaway managed after the team's week 11 buy three top 25 fantasy performances and that was over his last six games so not bad if you used him appropriately off of the waiver wire and you mentioned Hollywood Higgins I know this is a guy you like this is a guy who again did not touch very well but was known as a very technical and precise route runner a technician if you will that's a T that's a word people use a technician. Really. I'm big on technician. I will never blow out the candle for Higgins. That is, yeah, I don't think Fre- Freddie Kitchens likes him so much, though. I went back and Baker looked at likes his... Him, though. Well, if you look at his snap count, though, he was on the field anywhere between the entire season, 30 to 75% of a team's plays, but his snap share was much higher before Kitchens took over the offense. 
I already oh Freddie Kitchens. I'm out. I'm out on Freddie Kitchens. It doesn't what? I'm, just kidding. I'm just I'm just kidding. Well, I love him. <laughs> I was just making so a I just, I just joke. I don't not trying to make a mountain out of that molehill, but I did think it was an interesting if why wouldn't you have the most precise guy? Maybe you don't need the most precise guy because you've got a young quarterback who's like feeling himself and knows how to improvise. Yeah. And so you'll find the deep ball. So anyway, uh let's talk about the Bengals. Let's go across the state. Pressing question. Can Zach Taylor bring juice to this offense? Because I think they really need it. Um, look, the Bengals have... I mean, he was bringing coffee two years ago. I know, right? So. What, a, what a meteoric rise. He looks so young, too. How old is he? Is he 33 or 34, something like that? I don't know. Crazy. Uh, but he looks very young. I mean, people that are 34 look 35. very young, young and fresh. 35. Um, you know, he knows... Um, Sean McVay. You didn't know his name off the top of your head there. Yeah, I know. A little bit um, slow today. Anyways, this offense to me still has some potential. I mean, the offensive line took steps last year. We know Andy Dalton can be a productive quarterback when the talent around him is great. I mm-hmm. don't think the talent around him, they apparently, well, their, their GM or whatever, or someone called uh, that their trade room was about John Ross fake news, whatever. Well, somebody's planning those. Yeah, right. Somebody's. I think maybe it's Ross's camp. Like, get me out of here. But anyways, you know, AJ. Also, that guy should be glad to have a job after his rookie season. I know. It was a mess. But Tyler Boyd broke out last year. Joe Mixon definitely broke out last year. They're an interesting offense to watch. I also wouldn't rule out them making a minor free agent quarterback addition because I would just think that. Oh, my God. Josh Rosen. That's interesting. I mean, why wouldn't you though? Like, oh, if you're the Bengals, well, I don't think that's the worst. Look, I think there's but worse places. AJ Green you could is go 31 to. years old. I mean, this is the like you have been. AJ Green has been carrying that offense on his back since he's gotten there, really. Yeah. Right, and he's been dragging Andy Dalton into production. He's 31 years old. He had he only played mounting. nine games. He tried. Well, we appreciate the like effort and grit trying to get back in week 13 but he lasted i don't know a whistle mm-hmm. like it, it didn't work out well uh, he had toe surgery in february i just don't know i don't think tyler boyd is a number one receiver he, no he not flashed because he was doing his job as a number two receiver and if you look at the games that aj green wasn't present in uh, tyler boyd only had two red zone targets the entire time and they were both in one game against oakland and he didn't finish the dang season. Joe Mixon, to me, is the brightest spot on this offense in terms of straight-up production and chain-moving. And running backs don't matter. So? Well, I think he might matter a little bit because he can find holes even in a really bad offensive line. So you've got to give him some cred there, but he could break down quickly. I have decided, actually, just as a side note, preview content down the line, I think I'm going to actually finally write about like my very mixed feelings. As much as I troll about running backs don't matter, it's like a mixed feeling sort of thing i don't want to get into it on the podcast but at the end of the day right like you kind of feel with a guy like Le'Veon bell it's like you know i don't want, i don't think it's smart for any team to sign Le'Veon bell to the money that he wants 45 like from million a team, dollars from a team yeah. building perspective but at the same time like don't you also kind of feel like a jerk being like i don't want this guy to get paid like i think all these football players should get paid you know i think they should all get as much money out of this horrifically violent sport as they possibly can i don't know it brings up a lot of confusing feelings in me i didn't mean to derail the conversation like that that's okay let's talk about the steelers all right since you talked about Levion, i about mean derailing. there's a lot yeah. the steelers train is is off the rails uh I, my pressing question back then was run it back again or look to the future and i think they're I don't think they can really run it back again with Antonio no. Brown. I, like I said, I have not ruled it out that they will 
that he will be back there in week one. I think with at least some of these teams popping up, even though none of them really make sense for him. I mean, he's even said that he doesn't need to play football, which good on him for, for that, I guess, if that's what you want. But I don't know. The Steelers offense to me, though. The Steelers, the truth is people are talking about, I think what the point that you're getting to is the Steelers don't have to flip him. He is under contract. They can say, all right, like, have fun not collecting any money this year. And we will figure things out. I mean, yeah, the, they you just know, the, did, they just went through this. Yes. So yeah. so there's a blueprint for for how to manage. And while you could argue that the running back position is a little more replaceable, a la James Conner, than the wide receiver position, a hundred percent. Because right. I think this offense is screwed without him. I, this is maybe a hot take. What happened to your James Washington love well, from less is, than a year like, ago? Unless, okay, so I know I agree with you. James Washington, to be fair, had a very bad rookie season. Yeah. I still like James Washington, but he better be ready to take a massive leap from what we saw last year to starting caliber X receiver. I tweeted this out with Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster's uh, reception perception results from this past year. Totally different players. I mean, these guys might as well be playing different positions. Obviously, they put up similar numbers, but if you look at it, Antonio Brown last year faced press coverage on 47.5% of his routes that I charted. Juju Smith-Schuster, 28.3% because he plays so a inside. quarter versus half. Yeah, he plays inside. He plays off the line. And obviously, I don't think anybody needs to, to know this, but the data that I've charted over the last now five seasons backs up that obviously facing press and man coverage is a huge difference. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a 55% man coverage facer. Antonio Brown is up there with these top X receivers at 70.3%. Mm-hmm. That's just a totally different assignment. I don't think that you can have a guy like Juju if he's going to be well, your it requires big slot a different receiver. skill set. A, mil- a million percent. And, and I don't think it's a skill set that, that Juju Smith-Schuster sure. has shown to this point in the NFL. So if you're going to remove one of, I think, the legitimately true coverage dictators in the NFL, which is Antonio Brown, along with a small, small handful of receivers. I just think that changes your offensive composition so much more, obviously, than taking away uh, a running back. And at that point, then, if you don't have Brown there, Smith-Schuster is one of the best young receivers in the league. We're talking, I mean, he's much more of a, a created player than a player who creates on creates on his own. James Conner, I think, is a good above-average running back, but and you have an aging quarterback. There's a lot of well, questions on this offense without uh, Brown. You just also don't have your solid outside receiver. And no. I don't know if your coaching staff is – and you don't have a quarterback who's willing to check down. I mean, you've got this still this big Ben improing, doing whatever he wants to do. I don't know if your coaching staff is sly enough like Belichick is to figure out that equation without – an ex receiver. I mean, you think I, I'm just like going through it now. Vance McDonald, like he was used as a slot receiver in college, so he could fill that position. But now you have just a bunch of slot receiver. James Washington, like I don't think he's an outside receiver, an outside ex. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was coming into the league, and I guess I shouldn't give up the ghost so quickly. But but I think but they, I mean, they will have to make an, another addition at wide receiver right. if this. I mean, you don't have Justin your Hunter climb the ladder like f- getting contested catches fifty fifty. Yeah, so th- I mean that was James Washington's game coming out of Oklahoma State, but you know again I don't know that you can really count on him to be a plus starter. I think they would have to make a veteran addition. I think they would get in the John Brown market then if they lose an Antonio Brown. I, they have to. They have to do something. They can't roll out the receiver core. As it stands today, John Brown isn't going to like face, isn't going to stand up to press coverage at, at a rate of seventy five percent. I disagree. Oh my goodness, you're crazy! He's going to pop a hamstring. 
How dare you? He's in. He's not in a warm climate anymore. This that was that was what crushed him oh, in Arizona. Man, you're nuts. Okay, <laughs> come on. All right. So the Steelers have a lot of question marks, and if they lose two massive holes, they're going to have to rejigger the whole thing. It's it's a game of Jenga in Pittsburgh, basically. Let's close things out in the AFC with the Ravens. Come on, Matt, finish strong. Speaking of John Brown, uh, pressing question for the Ravens to me is: What does building around Lamar Jackson long term look like because I think you can give them credit for coming up with this creative unique attack that they went six and one after he took over as a starter but they were easily easily the most run heavy team by a decent amount I think actually 40% they only passed on 40% of their red zone plays in in just two of his starts and they were they passed on more than 30% of their first downs in just two of his starts. I mean, they were such an extremely run-heavy team. Well, it's also not good for his body if you're going to make him no. the franchise quarterback. I mean, he's So I think that's down. why they have to then take a look at themselves and be like, okay, we can't do this what we did last year long-term. But they right now – can you name the, Ra- the Ravens' top four receivers going into this year after they release Michael Crabtree if John Brown walks in free agency? Can you tell me who they're Is Michael for? Campanero still on that nope. squad? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Willie Sneed, another one of my longtime favorites. Oh, I think he has potential. Willie Sneed. But he needs people around Jordan him. Lastly. And that's I mean, there's a couple other goofballs in there too, but like that's what we're looking at. We're looking mm-hmm. at nobodies. And they obviously I do well, I think what is interesting about Jackson is that he Well, they is, are z- also let's just I, I think that the Ravens are willing to zag while everybody else is zigging, right? Like they are a run first. Not just at their quarterback, but like Gus the bus was a thing, right? Alex Collins was a thing the year before. There's going to be a new version. Alex Collins. Yeah. There's going to be a new one of those this year. Yeah, right. Although I talked to Tony Jefferson, their safety, and he really likes Gus and thinks the team does too. So. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think they can be a run first team, but building a passing attack around Jackson, I think, is going to become crucial. And to that note, I would say that if you remember Lamar Jackson's game, Back in college, he had some accuracy concerns Mm -hmm. for sure back then, but it was mostly on like outbreaking passes, which I frankly thought they threw too much with him this past year. I think if you have a up-tempo, middle-of-the-field passing game under center, I think he could be a much better player in that regard. This is Ozzy's game. Forget three wide receiver sets. He's going to run a three tight end They have like 100 tight ends still on the roster. I mean, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, I think that could be an interesting thing to watch for sure. Max with seven X's. Is he still, he's still around? Crockett um, Gilmore? I'll name them all. <laughs> Nick Boyle. <laughs> they, we've, we've run Ed Dixon. We've run the gamut. Dennis. Uh, Dennis. Ed Dixon's in Seattle now. Yeah, I know. Was. They're not. None of these guys. Not, we're, we're, we're yeah, but at least he's still playing. Cro- I mean, Crockett Gilmore <laughs> didn't even play tight end anymore. Didn't he go to he, like, O-lineman? Yeah, he switched to tackle. And I don't think it worked. I don't even know if he's on a team. <laughs> but anyways, so I do think that we could look at a much more developed and different passing offense in Baltimore this year. And I think, I think it has to happen, frankly, because... Um, by the way, just mind mind blowing stat: only seven passes did Lamar Jackson throw under center this year. All the rest were from the wow. shotgun, which That's is a good crazy. Stat. Yeah, good seven. stat, Matt. Wild. Brett, can we have a a drop for good stat? Good stat. Good stat, Matt. Yeah. Just, just like some sort of it good rhymes. stat. Yeah, I like um, it. Well, it doesn't have to be Matt. Sometimes I also throw out good stats. It would be no, on, they're all they're yeah, all right. Matt attributed to Matt. All right, I feel like let's talk about no, the we'll NFC North. My my oh, sh- one of my favorite. Yeah, we gotta go. About. We gotta talk about the NFC North, no black wonder, and blue. No wonder Brett's been over there, like staring at the clock. Um, okay, NFC North. Uh, <laughs> for the Lions, snooze. Who can help alongside Kenny Galladay? Because right now they are just disgusting on that roster, other than him. And he's a good he's a good wide receiver, no him. doubt about it. Oh yeah, I know he is. Huskies. One of your boys, but 
You know, they have carry on Johnson potentially coming back, who I think is, you know. He should be healthy by OTAs, did, MCL spring. Didn't we say at different points this year, like, running back doesn't matter, but like, or running back talent doesn't matter, but I really, he was really good. Like, I almost want to break the mold for, I feel like I've said that or we said that. Yeah, but that. his pad level also makes me worried. I'm going to be honest. Like, when I watched his tape, it was really explosive, but I was like, oh, lower that shoulder. Get down, dude. Um, And he is coming off of the MCL injury. Reports are that he'll be fine for OTAs, so that shouldn't be much of a problem. Plus, he's young. Here's what we do know. We know that Matt Patricia wants to run the ball, right? He wants to—he's a defensive-minded coach. Usually defensive-minded coaches want to run the ball because it eats clock away from the opposing defense. There's just a different way to think. So now, Jim Bob Cooter, he is out. He is wherever he is. Daryl Bevel is now the offensive coordinator the big feather in his cap is that he, you know, discovered Russell Wilson. So is this a fix Matt Stafford, but also let's start running the ball. But also, yes, who are we going to have Matt Stafford throw it to? No Golden Tate. Kenny Galladay can do a lot of the things, but he's going to need some help. There's just no there's no safety valve unless that becomes on Johnson, who does have a pass catching ability. And he becomes, you know, the Le'Veon Bell-ish yeah. sort of player. But he also has to stay healthy. Yeah, he could end up getting a lot of touches this year because as we were saying, there's just not a lot of juice here. Um, let's move on. Team's boring. OK, um, Packers. Packers. The biggest pressing. So <laughs> I'm just side note on this. This was one thing to me that got on my radar because I definitely agree that overall fantasy football has made football observers smarter in terms of they just know more about the league they know more teams they know more players you know in general but sometimes every now and again something happens that I think like oh see this is when the discourse of fantasy football makes us actually dumber Hmm. and when I saw people say that Oh, Matt LaFleur's first order of business, a few fantasy people I know said this, like his first order of business, establishing Aaron Jones as a clear RB1. I'm like, oh, shut the hell up. Just because you think Aaron Jones is really good. That is like 10th on the priority list of what Matt LaFleur needs to come in and do to clean up the Green Bay Packers. Clearly, the pressing question, what they have to do is, what does Aaron Rodgers need? Like that is, they have one of the best throws of the football of all time there. How do they make his... Absolute control and power. Yeah, How do they make his life... Better. I mean, because if you look at what happened last year, obviously the relationship between he and McCarthy deteriorated because there was just no confidence in the play call. Uh, I think I saw I was reading something that Graham Harrell, the now offensive coordinator at USC, was saying back when he was at Green Bay, some of the play calls were like a paragraph long. And he even said to the coaching staff, like, if you pay me, I'll make wow. this like easier to digest and simplify. And they said no. So it just goes to show you like the, how deteriorated that staff was in terms of modern football. But in general, I, I just think like. Also, look at the receivers that he had last year. Like, alongside Devontae Adams, it was, you know, Geronimo Allison, who's like a day three pick a few years ago, and three rookies. It was a very gross, and a Jimmy Graham who can't move anymore. I think they're a team that could make a splash with some of these slot receivers uh, in free agency. Because sure. Randall Cobb, who <laughs> one guy, we're talking about all these slot receivers in free agency, and we didn't even mention poor old Randall Cobb because he's not worth poor mentioning, old Randall Cobb. mentioning at this point. But they could sign a Jamison Crowder. They could sign a Cole Beasley. They could sign a, an Adam Humphreys. That would be a lot of fun. I, I think. I think a Cole Beasley makes the most sense if you're looking like at money and just something. I think Crowder would make a lot of sense, but just these like layup throws, they need more of those in the offense for Rodgers. He, yeah. I mean, he also needs a safety valve and especially because Aaron Jones is not the best pass catcher. He's got fumbling issues. So if you're not, if he cannot be, if you're running back, I mean, I think this is why Aaron Jones, as much as we wanted to see him and people want to talk about his, his, um, Yards after yards, contact you, per attempt drink. Thank you. Um, they want to talk about all of those things, yards per carry. Yeah. Then 
if he's not catching the ball, like he's not doing the job that is required of him in 2019. Well, yeah, I mean, LaFleur even said this, I believe, at the uh, combine press conferences. Like he likes the committee split between Jones and Williams. And I mean, obviously, Get used to it, obviously fantasy Twitter threw themselves into a tizzy right after he said that. But this you're right to point that out. This is the reality of the NFL in, in 2019. It does not matter if he is the best runner on the team no. and like not a soul will argue that but if he can't pass protect you know to the point that they think jamal williams can and if he's not a reliable asset in the passing game and i don't think williams like brings a ton of juice it's not going to be on the field for all the it's snaps not gonna it's happen. not going to happen that's because it's just you don't run you don't you can't this is the thing that drives me nuts about people is like you can't say the running game is so devalued and then sit there and whine about aaron jones not getting enough touches because you're you're inherently like arguing against your own point there. If you think what the Packers need to do, I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting off. Well, the let's talk here. about the Vikings because the Vikings are another talk team about running. Exactly. That are switching from a pass happy offense to a potentially more run focused offense. I don't want to say run, run, run heavy. I think they're run friendly. We've got Kubiak basically calling all of the shots, bringing in his staff. There's sons and sons-in-laws, all, all the Kubes the Kubiak, are coming to Minneapolis. The Kubiak tree is, is here, man. Yeah. It, I mean, he's like you a... You know something he, about a, running backs? Terrell Davis definitely still likes him. I think they're probably bros. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that watched them last year would definitely be like, uh, oh yeah, this is a team that you know, under Mike Zimmer definitely does not want to be a modern 2019 no. offense. He wants to throw it back to 1990 with John Gruden. Um, and I think that could be great news for Dalvin Cook, Cook, for sure. Kubiak, as you mentioned, is like the assistant head coach. Steph- Kevin Stefanski gets to stay around as the offensive coordinator, kind but of. like sort of because Kubiak, his son's there, his old boy, Richard Dennison is there, yeah. you know, the whole, whole, the whole team, the whole team. And I think that could be good long term for Kirk Cousins like to be in that I think t- it's great for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. It's a more f- friendly system for what he's used to. Does it change things with the wide receivers though because Stefan Diggs despite missing a game last year alongside Adam Thielen both those guys were top 9 in targets last Hot year. Take he's better than Adam Thielen. Oh, the Adam Thielen construction is such take. That's the correct take. I tweeted this out about reception perception again with Stefan Diggs after leading all wide receivers in success rate versus man coverage among the guys chartered in 2017. He finishes again at the 97th percentile with a 77% success rate. Stefan Diggs' biggest problem is durability. You know, I missed one game last year. Right. The year before was the groin injury. He didn't play well after it, even though he was on the field. So it wasn't as effective. He's a freaking star. I mean, I'm he's in total agreement. I liked his direct TV commercial or whatever. Geico, I don't know, was something he was commercializing. And it, it was great. I'm all in on him. Adam Thielen is going to be overdrafted this year. People are going to be wildly disappointed. Give me all the Dalvin Cook shares. Yeah, I mean, this is the. I, this is like I said, the, the question is, are these guys' target loads going to come down? Yes, I think the answer is a definite for, for both, yes. For both of them. Not probably, yes. Moving on. Let's talk about the Bears. Oh, we're closing this out with the Bears. My uh, off again, on again. Your, fl- your fling. <laughs> no, man. This is like the ex that keeps calling, and I'm like, it's just comfortable. It's fine. Just tonight. And then it's, it's we're a country song, basically, me and the Bears. Clearly. Um, hop on your John Deere tractor and saddle up with Trubisky. Anyways. We're going to put a mattress in the back of the pickup truck, you idiot. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> so the pressing <laughs> question for the Bears is, how can we kick the offense up a notch to withstand defensive regression? And don't at me, Bears fans. Your defense statistically will regress. It happens every year. You know, the Jaguars in 2017 come at come at me with, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you wanted to do your drop. Don't at me, bro. 
that was I talking about again? Can Vic Fangio leaving in the regression of the defense. Oh yes, so you didn't mention Vic, but so that's don't part of at it. me, Bears fans, because yeah, obviously Vic Fangio is gone, and that's great. I like to say Fangio, but Vic Fangio is gone, and that's obviously tough. But just statistically, all these like defenses like this, it's the most like unstable metrics, turnover, sacks, all those they fluctuate year to year. Josh Hermsmeyer of Five Thirty Eight, I linked this piece in the article, but he showed that that's just inc- the defensive performance is incredibly difficult to predict it every year you know the Jaguars last year think our defense is different I got Jared Campbell up in here Jared Quay Jared Quay Campbell he introduced himself yesterday as Jared Campbell so I can't I can't tell where he wants to go with this name but anyways yeah Clayus Campbell's brother Jared he's uh, he hosts the rush here at Yahoo I'm confused now what I'm what I'm supposed to be saying he's telling me defense is regress it's gonna happen you know, after being number two in yards per play allowed, number one in uh, drives ending with a score or and leading in turnovers per drive, like it's going to happen. So how do you make the offense a little bit better? This is exciting. Yeah. This is exciting because we finally get to see all of the pieces that we thought we might see last year. This is this is Anthony Miller continuing to be a Cooper Cup, but better Cooper Cup. Doug Baldwin. For this, fine. Doug Baldwin. I comped him to Doug Baldwin, too. Me, too. We're Coming, so, we're so we do smart, have Liz. a lot of we do have a lot of stuff in common when it comes to receivers. Seven touchdown season. He's going to improve on this. This is Allen Robinson, who I mistakenly called Robert Woods because to me they are very similar people. That's so offensive. Um, but this is Allen Robinson, fully healthy. We saw him have a hundred yard effort in the postseason Looked against like the, the Allen Eagles. Robinson yes. of old. Yes, this, I am telling you right now, I want Allen Robinson. Finally, I don't have to pay peak value for him. Finally, it's taken. Two I'll, years for his market to slip. I'll take care of that. I'll hype him up so hard. It'll <laughs> Don't be, you dare. be a fourth round pick Don't again by the time dare. I'm done. Oh, Mr. Influencer, look at how much I can drive stock. I'm uncomfortable with that idea. So I think this is exciting. All we need is Mitch Trubisky, who the Bears traded up for, who has all of the pieces despite starting one year in college to put it all together. We did see him grow up in one, maybe one and a half quarters of football in the postseason. Can he or keep that momentum going? <laughs> just a half of a Listen, quarter. Listen, I'm trying to be generous. We're closing <laughs> out the series. Um, I, think that, I think it's exciting, though. I think it is, and I do think one way that they can just make Trubisky fit better with this group is have him throw deep a little bit less. Among quarterbacks that started double-digit games, his deep passing rate of 16.8% of his passes traveling 20-plus yards down the field was second highest only to Josh Allen. So I think that if they rein Trubisky back a little bit and make this more of a short, up-tempo, timing-based offense, if he can execute that, I think this works so much better with guys that are quick separators like a Anthony Miller, like a Allen Robinson as an ex-receiver slash guy that they use out of the slot a bit a little bit last year. Yeah, I think they moved that, him all over. And Tariq Cohen, of course, I don't think can be discounted in all of this. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see if they trade Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just man, it's so weird. Poor old Jordan Howard just... The, the peak example of like running is just running. I got a lot of like seeing Tevin Coleman go to the Bears and I was nah, like, poor Jordan on. Howard, like played with him in college. And then his like old teammates going to come back and take his spot. Oh, I don't gosh. even see like, like how Jordan that makes Howard a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah, I think Howard's a great runner for sure. But yeah, so I think that's just one way they can make this offense a little bit better as their defense obviously regresses. Um, Producer Brett, do you have a surprise for us? Sorry. The Harmon uh, Loza helpline is open. What? We got a sound drop for this new segment. So we teased this on last week's episode. True life fact. Matt and I often get asked for advice on other people's lives about things outside of football, whether it's 
dog advice because Matt has a little Charlie parenting advice because I have a little one. Love, relationships, career building, fitness tips, all of those things. So we open this voicemail line. You can dial the number at 888-859-2466. That's 888-859-2466. Or you can just say 888-85-YAHOO. Leave a message. And we're going to answer some We're obligated to answer at least anything one call. that you ask. And I do have to read one quick legal uh, disclaimer. Okay. Legally, Matt Harmon and Liz Loza take no responsibility for the actions that come from your decision to react to their advice. Specifically, if you take Matt Harmon's relationship advice and your relationship turns to a complete, utter dumpster fire, Matt Harmon is not legally responsible for whatever happens to you or your significant other afterwards. So we have a few calls. This We're only going to do one a week. We'll see, we'll, we'll start off there. We only have a few calls. Someone called about Brussels sprouts or a dog. Whoever you are, we couldn't really hear it. It was hard try to try again. Please. Try again. Call we on want phone. to answer a Brussels sprouts question. I know you sure. do. Or a dog question. But try again on a phone from the 21st century. We'd appreciate it. But we're going to play a different call. Matt told me to play it. I don't know if this is an inside joke or not, but I think Liz will know what we're talking about. I haven't heard this call yet, but Matt has. But Matt has and said we should play this one. So let's go. Here we go. Hey, this is Brian from Richmond, Virginia. So I'm a pretty young actress. You know, I sound like it. What if I go to an audition and I'm asked to just make out with some dude on a couch surrounded by other people just making out? Is that groovy or should I get out? Thanks. (laughs) Well, Liz, you're a... What some people would say, a attractive woman, and uh, a you, young actress. <laughs> a young actress. You used to be in the actress business. I used to be a pretty young actress. <laughs> what? Is that what you're yeah. Thank you, Matt. So here's what not to do when speaking to a lady. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I read the legal disclaimer to start. I think I know a situation that Brian is referring to. So, oh, do you? Matt, you know this story, right? Yeah, that's why we're playing the damn thing on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, true story. When I, I didn't even live in Los Angeles yet. I was out here interning for a summer for a casting agent. I was still in college, I believe. Yeah, I was still in college. And the very first audition I got was for this movie called The Room. Oh! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) So I went to this audition again. I was maybe 19 years old, maybe like 18 or 19 years old, went to this audition and it was for something called The Room. And there's this auditorium full of young, sweaty, desperate actors. And there's this very awkward Eastern European gentleman. Well, that's never been confirmed. I don't know when I think he's from. <laughs> I think he's Polish. I think he's from the planet... <laughs> Neptune. I don't even think he's from Earth. <laughs> um, and he's very bombastic and passionate and throwing sides at people. And he looks me up and down. And I was like, what is this? Like, I'm a college I'm sorry. Kid. Just real quick. What role were you uh, trying so out for? I was about to tell you. He looks me up and down and he says, Lisa, <laughs> you're Lisa. <laughs> and so I'm like, OK. So he hands me some sides for Lisa and I get my highlighter out and I start trying to become Lisa and then I realize there are sofas placed throughout this auditorium and people are making out on them and so um, he paired me up with someone and he and I were to be scene partners and we rehearsed and there was the scene was just making out like honestly it was just making out and he was then it was our turn to audition and 
this gentleman, what's his name? Tommy Wiseau. Thank you. Tommy Wiseau says to me, um, you have to kiss him with passion. And I said, I don't, I just met him. And she, he was like, do you want to be an actress? Do you want to be an actress? And so I was like, yes, yes. Okay. And so me and this poor kid, he was wearing a teal colored cotton shirt. Like we made out like nobody's business. Like, like the kind of making out where like you need a full thing of Blistex afterwards. Like it was just intense. And then he was like, good job. And then I got up and I was like, so this is acting in Los Angeles for an 18 year old. And uh, the poor guy long, he got his car towed because the audition lasted like 90 minutes. And uh, anyway, this isn't advice for you, Brian from Richmond, Virginia. This is a story about my sordid past. Brent, are you not so glad that <laughs> I is great. You this is great. It's not quite advice. Well, we the advice. Have like a, so here's the advice. Tear me apart, Liz Loza. Drop. That would be it's like a funny I did pun. get a call back. Oh, I got a call back and uh, I decided not to go because here's the advice part. My gut was telling me this fool dirty. This is not the way. Even if this is the way Hollywood works, I am not interested in partaking in this piece of the game. And so I walked away from what would become an illustrious opportunity. Have you ever watched The Disaster Artist? No, I have not. Although, you know, I have another friend who made out with James Franco. Oh, well, I mean, who, well, hasn't? who hasn't, right? Yeah. Um, so two of us in this room have met Tommy Wiseau in real life. And two of us have in this room have made out with James Franco. Just what? for the audience to figure out who. <laughs> I was like, I have, I've met Tommy. I was, it was my first celebrity sighting in LA. Oh, really? Yeah. But I'm trying to find the so message. So he was not even a celebrity when I like made out right. with this guy. So, but again, there is a, a, a an advice piece of it. And that is if it feels like it is not right or creepy, listen to your gut and get out whether it's a job interview yes. whether it's an audition nobody whether it's should a date. ask you to make out with somebody as part of any and if you say i'm not comfortable with that and they question your um commitment that run, is not okay run faster yes i thought the i thought run this was like dk metcalf running <sighs> after the bag in the, at the combine i thought this was on instagram because but i can't find it but the whole the whole reason this came up Brett, because I've been telling Brett since he played, he's like, we got one call, but it's a, it's a little weird. I don't know if we should play. No, no, we have to play that one. And I was like, trust me. So Liz told this story on our old Fantasy Live podcast, and this all happened because I... How did you guys find out about this? Uh, this is the story. So I posted we a couple we uh the group of friends that I worked with at the NFL Network we did a thing called um, High Life Fridays, which was we drink a bunch of Miller High Life and watch really shitty movies, champagne and beer. Exactly. So and one we were doing the room, which we'd all seen, but you can never see it enough times. It's amazing if you haven't seen it, and. I posted the picture either on my Instagram or Twitter or something like oh, watch, no. watch it, revisiting this. And I think Liz slid into my DMs is like, you'll never believe this, but I auditioned for the role of Lisa. And when I tell you that you made 10 dudes and <laughs> they're two, con- the, the two confused women that were in attendance because of their boyfriends were there, they're all of the faces melt in the room. When I read that aloud, everybody was blown away. So that's why Gelhar was, of course, like, oh, you got to have. Liz tell the story on the podcast. It's at some true. Point. True story. I did. I've I've interfaced with Tommy Wiseau. I made out in front of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. So like I, that I, was and he looked me up and down and told me I was Alisa. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I, have you seen you seen the room? You ever watched no. it? Well, we should watch. We should watch it sometimes when we're <laughs> when we're on the road in Nashville. Let's watch it. OK. Um, all right. So <laughs> recap. <laughs> Not only did you get 
great life advice, which is, you know, trust your instincts. There's or some universal advice here. You also got with a, a specific great story. You also got a great damn story. So if this is not incentive enough for you, sheep, to call into the advice hotline, which the number is 888-85-YAHOO. Then I don't know what is. So call the number, leave voicemails, and we will help you solve anything and tell you great stories. Oh, I'm blushing. We got to go. Glad someone's finally embarrassed other than me on this podcast. I'm consistently <laughs> throwing out, under the we're bus. Out, we're out, All we're right, out. we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.